Hey everyone, I'm Robbie Cornthwaite. I'm Daniel Mullen. I'm Angelo Costanza. I'm Marco Fleury. I'm Marcelo Garuska. I'm Ian Fife. This is Cassio, and you're watching. 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 And you are watching Pure Bread Reds, Adelaide United Fan TV. Hi, I'm Daniel Mullen, former Adelaide United player and Asian Champions League winner with Western Sydney Wanderers. When it comes to any of my soccer needs, I do my shopping here at Soccer Locker. An Australian-owned and operated business, the store is located at Shop 5 of 181 to 183 Grange Road, Finden. Founded in 2017, Soccer Locker was introduced into the market to fulfil all the soccer-related needs of Australians, providing a huge range of quality clothing and equipment ranging from soccer balls, team kits, goalkeeper gear, accessories and much more. Recently arrived stock also includes stunning retro kits from some of our favourite past eras as fans of the world game. Soccer Locker is a specialist in Premier Range Boots, Adidas and Puma, goalkeeper gear and licensed merchandise. Visit us online at www.soccerlocker.com.au with free delivery Australia wide. So get shopping now at our Finland store, open from 10am to 5.30pm from Monday to Friday and open Saturdays from 9am to 3pm. Hello and welcome to the Purebred Reds Adelaide United Fan TV. We are here to get an insight into what the fans think as we approach season 2021-2022 of the A-League Men. I'm your host, Ellis Gelios. Glad to be joined by two of the most passionate Adelaide United fans going around. If not, the two most passionate. If we were to ever do a competition, I'm sure you guys would be fine. Joined by Chris Adams, a contributor who regularly is involved in things we do here at Purebred Reds. And of course, Antonis, who has come on on various occasions for fan cams. Great to get you both in the studio. How are we, boys? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me back, Ellis. It's been a little bit of a... A little bit of a hiatus off here at Red Reds for the last few months, but I'm definitely glad to be back and I'm quite excited for the new season. I think hiatus and A-League off-season are synonymous with one another, are they not? Antonis, how are you? I'm alright, it's good to be making my debut on the couch. Hope you're not too nervous, great to have you both. We're in to talk all things uh, regarding Adelaide United, what's happening in and around the club. From how the team's looking to how the kits came off for the new season, of course, a pretty interesting third kit, guys. Uh, one that polarised opinions. Certainly some great first. Uh, the, the home kit is fantastic. I think everyone agrees. Whether it's better than last season's or not is maybe a different thing. But uh, the away kit too, I think, is definitely a pass mark. We'll get on to all that. But of course, it's all about how we're looking, how the team's looking, and uh, how the, the pre-season friendly results and FA Cup has been for Adelaide United. So let's get into it. Guys, firstly, we're going to go through the signings, so the ends. Uh, promoted with scholarships out of the youth setup is Johnny Yell, Alexander Popovich, Nick Ansel, George Blackwood, Isaias, Dakota Oshinshim, and Nestor Irakunda. The departures are Michael Moroni. Ryan Strain, Dominic Costanzo, Pacific Nyonga, Bide, Noel Smith, Yared Abitu, Dakota again, Jordan Elsey, and Tommy Urich. Let's just first clear up that Dakota one. What, what exactly is going on there? So, I think Andonis is quite in the know when it comes to the NPL team, but um, I believe Joe Gauci, so Oshin was released at the end of the season, and Gauci got injured in NPL, and we, he's subsequently also going to miss our preseason, and maybe even the start of the season, not 100% sure, but I think we brought back Oshinem on a short-term injury. Yeah. All right, thanks for clearing that up. Um, now, 
I'm going to throw to both of you. Just give us your overall impression of the signings, and then I'll ask you a few other questions regarding that. Maybe we'll start with you, Donnie. Happy with the signings, um, especially. I do really like Nick Ansel. I've always been kind of a fan of him, and we've got the depth there with George coming back. Isaias, our greatest ever player, in my opinion, is back. Some youth boys I observe it are in the squad. I'm happy with it. A few question marks. I don't know if you want me to go through them now. Well, yeah, why not? I'm a bit light at fullback. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out if we get injuries like we usually do in fullback. Um, we've got two young forwards in Yang Yi and Mohamed Toure. So usually we've got some experience up there. We're missing that this year, but hopefully those boys take the chance and improve their games. And at number 10, and Stefan did a great job there before he got injured. It's just about making sure we can keep him on the park and having a good backup for him because he's not the traditional 10, he's more of an 8. But he can do a job there. And hopefully with George back and Bernardo, we've got some good backup for him as well. Um, overall, player for player, how do you assess it? In terms of have we adequately improved the squad regarding those that have left? Well, I don't really need to sort of reiterate um, what I'm doing said regarding fullbacks. I think everybody sort of agrees in that regard that maybe we're a little light on fullbacks. Um, I think still, though, signing Ansel and Trout has addressed uh, some of the issue when it comes to our defence. Um, and to comment on Trout, I know he's played centre-back for a lot of our pre-season friendlies and FA Cup games. I was actually watching him recently, um, and I'll replay Sydney vs Us, and he played right back and was not only quite serviceable, he did a very good job. Um, for a big player, he moves quite well and has got some good technical ability when it comes to the, the job that a right back can do. So I think that he could slot in at fullback should Javi Lopez you know, not be able to play there for one reason or another. I think Javi is the, the number one going forward at right back. Um, I think our defence has been addressed to an extent. Um, Kiddo and Cavallo do want to play left back. Cavallo actually wants to play left back, so it's not like he's been forced to play left back. Um, I believe he wants to play left back, so he did a good job there when he was called upon last season. So I think you know there is no reason why if we if they have dis discussed and agreed that we're okay in defence, then I'm going to trust the decisions that have been made. But yeah, when it comes to midfield and attack, midfield Isaiah is coming back. Uh, um, I, I, I won't quite go as far, and we have this conversation all the time. I personally believe Eugene's our greatest ever player, and SAS is like a very close second. But regardless, like it feels like this has started all of our preseason friendlies and all of the cup games so far. I know there've been only two, but it's like he never left, um, and it just makes me feel so fantastic that he's decided to just come back straight away and he signed for two or three years, I think it is. Um, and then Blackwood as well. I know Blackwood's a very sort of... He's an interesting one because I, like, I love to see how the fans react about Blackwood. Some people absolutely love him and then some people are not fans. Me personally, I think he's always been a wild card. And um, he's popped up for goals against Melbourne Victory. Last-minute winners. He scored the equaliser when we came back 4-3 against Brisbane Raw. He's a real clutch player. And that's what I... I I, I did miss out a little bit about him when, when he left, when he spent a season off. And I think he's going to be better this season. He's spent a year completely out of his comfort zone in England. Mm -hmm. um, he's probably learned a lot. He scored a couple of good goals there. I think he actually broke his, he broke his back where he had a very serious injury. Maybe it was his neck where he 
had to, I can't remember if he returned home or he was out for quite a few months. Um, but now I want to see him fit. He could be potentially a 10 or a striker. Um, I think he could do a job both. I would love to see him play at a 10 if we had Juan De and Isaias in the same midfield. Because I think Blackwood is, he's obviously more attacking. There have been 10s like our Karuskas who would drop back. Yeah. I think Blackwood is more attack oriented. So if we had like a twin pivot midfield of Isaias and, and Juan De, two, two sixes, I think I could really let Blackwood focus more on the attack and we could be quite solid. That's if more can play there. Though. But no, it's it's an interesting one. But I'm I'm generally happy with how we've how we've gone signings wise. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. So here's my take on Blackwood. I'm not his biggest fan, but I think the level of hate he gets doesn't justify the actual output he's given over seasons. Like when you get a insight as to some of the fan feedback when George Blackwood's involved in anything, you'd think he's like the biggest main player we've ever had in terms of. You know, he's up there with the Bodrasiches of the world. But he's clearly not. He's contributed goals that have won us games off his own boot in the past. So I think he's in that awkward space of his... I can't. I think I can confidently say he's not the player we all wanted at the top of the list when it came to players coming back. But I think there's no reason why he can't just be an addition to the squad. And, you know, we wait and see what kind of level of apple he gives us after a season in England with Oldham, which could have only given him even more of a thicker skin. In terms of how we can make things work this season on the park with the midfielders we have and the defence that we've got, how would you line up in terms of your back four or whatever the formation is, using midfielders if we need to or out of the players that we have defensively who are defenders on paper? Start with you. I think the attack is... The, Don't worry about the, the attack. Most sound midfield. Ha- it has you have to start more. Can you say yes? And uh, to be honest, one day I know we we looked at you know Marco Kurtz in 2018-19 used two sixes. He started Vincelier and he say yes, and it wasn't always working. We're actually quite solid defensively, but going forward, it's a little iffy. I think that's one we can work out. But you you can't not use two absolute players with incredible quality, incredible experience. You know, they're not similar players either. Um, I think they'd fit in perfectly if we had Mork as well in midfield. So for me, it's going to be Kwande, Isaias and Mork. But I just, my question that worries me a little bit about this is whether they, whether Carl thinks that the midfield is dynamic enough like that. If you throw in a Dorigo, who has really turned into a box-to-box midfielder, then you've got your holding midfielder, this is going to be Isaias. You've got Dorigo going box to box and then Walker as, as a 10, and he can drop back as well. I'm just concerned about, yeah, the, the dynamic, about how the midfield will work if we have two sixes there. I don't think that we're going to move, we're, gonna, we're not going to change formation either. We're going to stick to a 4 3 3 that we've sort of been playing with that, whether it's 4 3 3, whether it's, it's, it's a three in the midfield and three going forward. Um, and I don't know how much we're going to be able to sort of tinker with that. So, my question is if we'll be able to tactics wise account for two sixes in the midfield and then a 10. Um, but that's certainly what I'd like to see. And then defense wise, I think, I, I believe we'll go with, with Jakobsen and Ansel in center back. But I, I think we could see, you know, we've been having Trap and Timotheo as well. Yeah. If we do go with the Ansel and, and Jakobsen, then my question also is where does Trap fit in? 
because it looks like Cavallo and Javi Lopez will be our two fullbacks. So you, you can't just have a player of, of Trout's quality just sitting on the bench, in my opinion. Okay. I don't think we're going to play three centre-backs. Um, so the, the question is, does Trout then go and play right-back? Probably not, unless he has to. But then why why did we sign him if we're not going to use him? It's like it's like having, you know, in the championship season, we had Elsie and McGowan who are in absolutely fantastic form and then LaRocca on the bench. It's like you've got three great centre-backs to where they all fit in. You can't just have one on the bench. So, yeah, that's my question. Um, Antonis probably can elaborate more on the centre-backs because he certainly had some good thoughts about well, it recently. Just in terms of midfield shape and the back four, assuming it's a back four, who do you pick? I'll go with what Chris said, with Cavallo on the left, Javi on the right, Yago left, centre-back, um, and Andrew right centre-back. I believe that's by far the best um, line-up at the back. But, you know, it's what a great time to have such a quality third-choice centre-back that can also play right-back. Because that's been one of our issues in the past. Centre-back goes down, right-back goes down. Who plays? Which midfielder do you shove there? Which right-back are you making play a centre-back? So having four centre-backs that can fully play in the first team is a great time. We were talking about this a while ago. When's the last time we had four fully fit first-team centre-backs? So it's a great shield to have for back there. And I agree with the midfield, with Wande um, and Isaias and Mork. And like you said, I guess it depends who we play, how the games are going. With We all fully trust Louis to go in and do a job and to make our midfield more dynamic. And his game is developing. And, one better players to learn from than Isaias and Juande and walk in front of you. So very confident with that. It's just for me about the midfield, it's about that creativity. We know all those players can pick a ball, but it's about doing that job of the 10, just getting that killer pass consistently each game that Troisi kind of did, that Karuska did for years. I think that's what our midfield is kind of missing, that we can develop over time. Great words, boys. Um, I just want to say, firstly, I think expect Ansel to go down at some point because he had a very injury playing time at Melbourne Victory. So perhaps that kind of accounts for why we've gone in and signed the players we have defensively. I still think we're light on. I don't think we can call Jacobson trustworthy anymore. He's good when he's fit and at his best, but we've seen that he has mistakes in him. As for whether it's going to work with the four that we've got and the four that we go with, I think they'll chop and change as the season goes on, I'm not certain that we've earmarked a guaranteed back four. Um, on the goalkeepers, who do you go with? Denning off to start off with. Um, no, who do you go with? Who do I go with? Full time. Full time. Um, Denning off still, to be honest with you, because um, no disrespect to Joe, I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper, um, but he's had like three injuries since he, he started off last season injured. Played a period when James got injured and then got injured again. Was back for the NPL season and then got injured again. Um, it, it just frustrates me a little bit because the, we've, we almost had a, a Eugene versus Mark Berrigini type situation, although you've probably got two Berrigini's as opposed to one who was significantly better than the other. Two fantastic goalkeepers, but go with the form book, go with who's playing the most, it's got to be James. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I'm not concerned with whoever's in goals. I can't beg, but you know, we've been blessed since I've been in the straight at least with having reliable keepers in Eugene, in Birigiti to fill in, in Izzo, Izzo Terminal, now these two boys. If you remember this time last year, we were having new stories about which keeper we're going to trust 
and they're trustworthy, they're all trustworthy. So if there's ever behind the sticks, you know, it's good to have them there. But like you said, James has to start the season because he's had the continuity. If he can build a solid relationship with our back line, keep some clean sheets, it's going to be hard to displace him. But either keeper in goals, I'm confident. I'm, with the goalkeeper position is not one that worries me. 10 minutes in, he's already sitting on the fence. <laughs> um, no, look, I, I, I will go with Bellingham just because of the fact that I think it's his to lose based on amount of experience both have accumulated. Um, as impressed as I've been and as impressed as we've all been with what Gauchi can do, I'm, I'm reluctant to call him Gauchi because someone told me it's Gorsi once and I was <laughs> so sort of confused by it. Um, but uh, we'll see how that all goes. Front threes, start with you. Goodman on the left, Yangi up front and Haller on the right. The exact same. Is it really a question? It's, well... Who knows? Some people might want to try and experiment with Halloran at 10 because Halloran has played at 10 throughout preseason. He's played there in the past and we know he can play there. Yeah, we know he can play there, but I strongly believe that he does the most damage on the wing and even as a striker versus as a 10. And uh, you know what's funny? I'm drawing multiple Marco Kurtz comparisons here (laughs) because this is another one we're going into now. We have two sixes and now we're looking at Halloran 10 again. he has to he has to be on the right wing. Alright, well I think that the more sort of polarizing debate here is who's the nine. Because we all want Yankee to have a really good time as a young player that's got a lot um, up his locker, who's shown so much promise, who's shown that he can deliver on the biggest stage in a derby away to Melbourne victory. But the question is, he's still relatively un- an unproven quantity. Um, in terms of starting A-League number nines, when you compare that we've got Cassini with some of the other clubs, it's, you know, we're going out on a bit of a limb here, I feel. So, is it a point in time where we can comfortably sit back and say, yes, we have a reliable number nine who will score goals and we don't need to think about investing there or not? Um, I'll go. Uh, it's, we've got two young boys up front, Yangi and Pure, but at the same time, I don't want to do the Central Coast bring in a Brazilian that's played in Singapore and scored a few goals and call him our star signing. But it can work, I'm It can work, but, you know, I'd rather give him a go first, at least until January. They're young boys, they're, like I said, they're inexperienced, but they've got good support. They've got a solid midfield behind them. They've got great wingers around them. This is the spot they can succeed. And instead of bringing in a 30-year-old Brazilian that's played in Singapore, I'd rather give him time, give him the opportunity. Australia doesn't develop good nines. When's the last good nine other than Jamie McLaren recently? They're not getting developed. Why? We're not playing them. Play them, give them a chance. I hear, but this is what I'm going to throw at you. Say one of them gets injured between Yangi and Toure, the other has a barren run, mm-hmm. then what are you going to do? Well, you back them to go through it. They're going to have, they're young players, they've got the good times, they've got the bad times. We saw with Alisson went from the king of the world to even behind his younger brother. It happens. And that's what we've got, the Blackwoods of the world, the Hallorans in Marco Curtis days playing up front. You can put someone there to play. And like we said, give them the time, and if you need to bring someone in, bring them in in January. But give them a go, and January is around the corner. If you need to invest, you can invest. We did it a few years ago, very unsuccessfully with Jordi Tomlinson. But, you know, there's players out there, and might as well give these boys a run first before we start hitting the bunny button. 40, Thomason. Um, over to you, Chris. 
bearing in mind what we've just mulled over there, what do you the, sort of think? The way I see it, we've got three strikers, okay, not two. We've got George Blackwood as well. George Blackwood is the most experienced striker out of the three. He's the one who has been able to score goals when he's hit form Good in the last two, last two or three seasons that he played with us. Even when he had his first season, which arguably was the season where he caught the most criticism, he was still scoring goals. And he was scoring some good goals. He would pop up, score a smashing volley against Central Coast, scored against Victory, the season after, does it again. Okay? We can rely on George Blackwood because he's got the experience now. But right? you, we know he's probably not going to start. So how can you so say that we can So he's not going to start, we start with Yangi. Okay? Yangi was when we had a front three of Haller and Yangi and Gubin last season, we were our most productive going forward. It coincided with our six-game winning streak, and Yangi was out of the team when we started, and we brought Tommy Urich back in, surprise, surprise, and form slump happens again, okay? And that's not me saying Tommy Urich didn't have any quality because he was a great quality striker, but he was not in form, he was not fit for a lot of the season. I, I personally wanted Yangi. I wanted an untrusted not sorry, not untrusted. I, I basically untested Cassini Yangi over Tommy Urich, which is one of you know one of the most uh, well-known active strikers that Australia has ever produced. That goes to speak about the quality of Yangi, and I think that we have you know we can rely on him now. He's got a full preseason. Hopefully, he stays fit. I, I believe the club's done a lot to address the soft tissue injuries we we're having last season. And you know, hopefully, if he can stay fit, then we'll have quite a scary attack going forward. But as I said, look, we've got Toure, we've got Yangi as well. Uh, sorry, we've got Blackwood as well. I'm not concerned about striker. All right, fair enough. All right, let's talk about the FFA Cup and the friendlies that we've seen in the, I think, limited action, really, that we've had to go off all in all in this disastrously long off-season, which is just a regular occurrence here when it comes to Australian football. But uh, let's... Talk all things FA Cup first. So, first game, I find it weird. I just find it really weird that I'm literally sitting here and we're talking about two Greek clubs that we play <laughs> in the FA Cup. Uh, incredible. But, um, Florida Athena first off. So, the team from WA, we beat them quite comfortably in the end, but I wouldn't say we made light work of them overall. Uh, considering they took us the extra time. So we'll start with Jan Donny. How did you view the Florey game? Yeah, we didn't do it easy. We were the better side to begin with, but then after we got a goal, we kind of sat back. Might be the chemistry, might be the fitness of the squad coming back. We didn't look very impressive. They got their goal. But like you said, we got over them comfortably in the end. It was good to see the boys back in our competition. It's our cup. We win it every other year. The last two years in a row, so it was good to be back out there. Get the win, go over from the away game, because that was my, one of my main concerns, that these, th these teams just finished an NPL season, they're playing regularly, and we're coming off that, you said, the disastrous long off season. So it's always a bit of a worry, but to go out there, get the win done and come back home, couldn't be happier. It's always difficult to read into FFA Cup games, in my opinion, especially the early rounds, because we have had squad turnover, and I don't believe, do we actually have, I think we had a one friendly before yeah. that cup game. So you're, you're facing a strong we, team. We, we didn't have any. No, we didn't. Okay, there you go. I, I wasn't 100% certain. We're facing a team that is in the top two or top three in WA, coming off the end of their season by like a week, I think. Yeah. Maybe even less. Mm -hmm. They've got complete match fitness. Did they play in the grand final? Yeah, they, they got lost. Smashed. They got smashed, yeah. But regardless, 
They had all the fitness. Their squad's been together the whole season. We're going over to Perth, playing on a cow paddock of a pitch with a squad that has not been thrown together, but has had limited training and limited time together to gain that understanding and gain fitness. So it doesn't surprise me when we see bad performances, wins, but you know, quite scratchy performances where the only reason why you won is the fact that you're facing a team that is not at the professional level that you are. Um, but I think it it will gradually sort of increase. And cup games, especially when you haven't had any friendlies, uh, I don't like to read into them too much because look at two or three years ago when our first couple of cup games like we faced in 2018, we faced um, Queensland Lions or Brisbane Lions or whatever they're called, um, and it was like a 1-0 horrible result. And then we get into... The A-League season, when two weeks into the A-League season, we have the FFA Cup final, the squad's had all the time together and we put in an absolutely brilliant performance, arguably our performance of the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the early Cup games, they are what they are. We're, we're lucky that we had an NPL team, not an A-League team, because I think every A-League club will be in the same boat, one way or another. You always see the Cup sets every year. But, yeah, I I don't really see any, any ray that I can look into it in a negative way. You see the comments on Facebook after a bad performance and see, well, we didn't play well, it's gonna be a bad season. I'm thinking, how can you how can you write us off after the round of thirty-two FFA Cup game, which we won? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, the Olympic performance. Mm-hmm. So be the Olympic one nil here, played at the parks, which was the first for Cup competition at the national level. Um, one nil in the end over Adelaide Olympic, but mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't really a good performance. So we'll start with you, Antony. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance, but once again, remember that we played a much better side, in my opinion, than Athena, because the standard of the NPOSA is higher than the WA competition. Um, started off well, got our goal. Weren't completely impressive after that, like, we just sat back. Um, they had a few chances. We should have scored the pen, but Lewis Moss saved it very well, like he usually does. Um, very impressed with Bernardo, by the way, in two, the two games. You can see there's some quality there. And quite, I can't remember whose quote this was, but he doesn't play like an Australian. You know, he plays so direct. It's just a lovely break from what we're used to. He just really attacks and arguably he won both games for us. So. It's great to see another one of our own coming through and playing well. And once again, not going to overly read into it. We got our win, we move on, we wait to find out who we're going to play next. Chris? Yeah, I can mirror Antonis' thoughts there. Bernardo, what, what a player, I just yeah. have to say. He wasn't on, you know, he was on Melbourne City's books for a reason. Um, and that's a very good point you make about he doesn't play like an Australian because you, I think your traditional Australian winger now is a lot of pace, a lot of sort of gut running, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, whereas he reminds me a lot of Sergio Thurio okay. with his ability to take players one-on-one and beat them. Not a bad call. Um, obviously, Bernardo's probably more left-footed than Thurio is. Um, he is the son of <laughs> arguably <laughs> our greatest left-footer. Um, but yeah, Bernardo, you can definitely say that he has had such an impact in pre-season and I don't think he'll be starting this season because Goodwin will probably be fit by round one, you'd hope at least. 
Um, and if not, Kiel will probably start on the left wing. But that, that kid's got that kid's got a season coming up for him. I'm a hundred percent certain he's got a future. All right, let's move on. So we've had some friendlies played too. Um, we're not going to spend too long on this, so just quick fires. But we beat all the local teams that we played. So Bacala, Adelaide Victory, and Para Hills. We also played a state state select side. Um, lost to Brisbane Raw in Brisbane, but by all accounts, which is the view of the club, so not a very objective one. We were very very good in that game. Uh, so how do you guys view our preseason regarding games that are not the FFA Cup? Starting with you. Well, our first couple of preseason games that we had were, were you know, very stock standard, first run out with the squad type. Um, you know, only scored two or three goals, I think. I can't remember. I was at a few of them. Um, and then the most recent preseason friendly we had in Adelaide. Um, I think we won seven nil. The Berks one. The colour, yeah, that is a they're state league one, I believe. But they just got promoted. Yeah. Okay. Technically NPL. So, technically NPL. <laughs> I mean, a state one squad. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, for me, the preseason is more just go out, relax, enjoy the football, slowly get back into it. Good to see us get a squad on the park, very different from what it looked like last year. Get players back to form. Um, to the Brisbane game, um, going back, we conceded, I think, two goals in the first 10 minutes. And Carl said we are working on what caused them. Obviously, we don't have the highlights. And that could have played part to us dominating after that because after you score two early goals, you probably tend to sit back. But it's good to actually control the ball for a while and assert your authority on the game, even if you're down, because it just gives you that chemistry. So even though there's a loss, there are some good points to take out. And finally, playing A-League opposition. Usually in an A-League pre-season, we play Melbourne City about three times, <laughs> but borders then allow that, so it's actually good to play an A-League side before the A-League season starts. Okay, well said. Let's move on. So, bearing everything in mind that we've just summed up, probably should ask this question later, but I'll ask it now. General health of the club as a fan, as active fans, starting with you. Well, obviously, I, for those of you who don't know, I've spent probably a good part of the last couple of years on the inner Adelaide United in some sort of capacity. And I can say from my own experience that the club's health is fantastic. Um, so many steps in the right direction that have been made in the last sort of couple of years. Um, and even that's now starting to show, I believe, on from an outer perspective, I think the engagement with fans is at an all-time best. Um, you know, fan forums, fans can go and ask questions that will be openly and transparently answered. Um, you know, I'm not on the Red Army Committee anymore, but Antonio Susan, he can speak about that. Generally, though, I feel like we're looking really good and have recovered from the hit that COVID would have, would have sort of punched on every other A-League club. Yeah. And I know that there are other A-League clubs that are still facing some sort of financial turmoil where we seem to be financially stable. Um, you know, we've been able to sign some good players. Craig's here. You know, SAS is home. Um, and looking forward... The health of the club looks really good, and I I think that uh, we're we're in a really good good perspective and a good sorry standpoint. We can we can really build on this and improve the club gradually going forward. Mm -hmm. um, Nathan Cosmina made a point at the fan forum, and he said that the club's probably at its best off the field since he came, which I found very interesting. I'm not sure how he's judging it, but it's very good to hear. I was very glad to hear. But you know, there's a good feeling. There's 
cautious optimism for the season. But off the field, you know, one thing that we're doing under this ownership group that never used to happen before is you see our boys come back. You see Craig come back. You see Riley come back. You see Sayers come back. But that's all you can do in the A-League. You can build on your own and you, when it's time to go, you have to wish them all the best and make sure you create an environment that if they're ever to return, there is no choice other than Adelaide United. And I'm very glad we're becoming the club to do that as we see our boys return. Um, off the field, like Chris said, it's good that, to see that we're recovering from COVID. Um, like you said, better financially. And I'm very glad to see us actually investing and playing our youth, having an actual solid plan of playing our youth. In years before, some of the boys I spoke to that I attended the NPL games, it felt like they were just wearing the shirt. There were no coaches there, no one from the club to actually see them. Get them getting promoted was just a necessity. Now, there's actually a plan. There's investment going into those players. There's a plan. And that's what the A-League is. Players are going to go, but you need to have the next one available. And I'm very confident to say we've got that available. So, generally optimistic. I feel like... Sorry to interrupt you. I feel like this can... The, the recent news with Josh Cavallo, congratulations to him, by the way, that really speaks evidence to the environment that we have created where it, it is unheard of for a, a player who is gay to, to be open about it among, in his team and then nationally. And I feel like um, we have given Josh the right, the right environment um, to be himself and to, to come out as gay. And that just speaks for how good the environment and the atmosphere in the club must be. Because, you know, he spoke about how he, he, he didn't feel, he felt like he was hiding something and he felt like it was, you know, such a, a big thing, which really it is mm -hmm. um, because of how I, I think that, you know, gays have been dismissed when it comes to professional sport in the male game. Um, and that's why, again, that, that it was such a worldwide thing when Josh came out as gay. It just goes to show that we've created such a fantastic and healthy club that players can feel comfortable enough to be themselves. And that's um, yeah, what Carl said when he came on board that after the season before, it wasn't quiet, that he just wanted his players to be happy again and go from there. And it's really paying dividends on and off the field. I think it, you know, health comes from health, the health of the club. The, the first layer of that is how happy is the squad. Mm -hmm. If you have a happy squad, then that goes down to the coaches. That goes down to the results. The results go down to the finances. And it's that flow and effect. And I think that building a good team atmosphere is something that I think Kyle changed straight away. We moved, we moved, you could just tell when, towards the end of the Verbake days, the morale just wasn't very high. We had such a fantastic squad quality-wise and you, know, you saw such a change. When Kyle came in, he just changed the, the, the morale. I know he'd been there as assistant, but stepping up to manager um, changed the morale straight away. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you have a happy squad, you get good right. results and playing, everything flows on. We started playing like the FFA Cup champions again. Absolutely. We finished top in that hub ladder, hub ladder and we missed down finals by like two goals, which was unheard of since we lost our last two games. We copped eight goals or yeah, whatever it was right. at home. There we have it. Let's move on along quick fires now. Yep. Okay, so, uh, new kits. Now, um, third kit, I think, is not bad. I just think it's a bit radical for me, but I'm happy for others to be happy about it. Second kit, I like. Definite pass. 
first kit, big fan. I'm even in the minority, I think, of potentially liking it more than last season's. Sorry. Okay, I'm gonna go with the third kit. As I've told you before, I'm a big fan of the outside of the box kits. But what I've loved the most about kits is the announcements. There's a thought and a design behind it, and the whole community has gone behind the announcement. And I've loved that so much. Well, I, I am a fan of the out there kits, as demonstrated by this <laughs> amazing training shirt that I actually had to bribe this man for because I missed out on these sales in my size. I love a good out there kit, but I think that the, the third kit kind of, I wouldn't say missed the mark for me, I like the design. Um, the colour is just a little bit like... Uh, Coral. It looks like an ice cream. <laughs> it looks like one of those triple eight ice creams. I, I, that's just what comes in my head. Uh, look, I, I don't hate it, and I'm actually classing it in. Uh, I do this every year. If I don't like a kit, I unless I absolutely despise it, which I'm very open to most kits, <laughs> I I'm, I'm putting it in the the section of. I'm gonna wait and see what it looks like when we wear it. And the results we get here. Yeah, because, because if we get some good results here, you know, if we get a iconic result, then all of a sudden in my mind, I'm thinking my mind works in weird ways. If we get a great result, if we spank victory fight or something away, and we're in that, I'm thinking that kid's sacred. And then the kid isn't very impressive either, is it? No, no. We won't get into what. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing that the home kid, I actually agree with you, and I said this to somebody within the club recently, and they didn't really agree with me, but I think personally, this year's home kit is is a little bit better than last year's. I absolutely love last year's. I thought last year's was fantastic, but I just love how how simple it looks. Yeah, it's very it's nice. It's just like it's just doing doing the, the small things right. I, I have a real thing with our home kits being full red, just because. Agree. Real happy memories come back to me in the full red, and I just think it comes off real nicely. Um, I think back to like the. The kits of 2007, 2008, 2009, all full red, and that's just kind of what I love. Um, We've got some mostly full red just about the year behind us. As you can tell. Um, I'll, I'll say one thing. On the away kits, anything beats the Macca's employee no, um, lifesaver third kit, no. uh, second kit last season. That was cool. I hated it. I thought it was crap, no. and we are crap in it. So... Excuse me, we didn't just be Western Sydney Wanderers away 3-2 and then Melbourne Victory wearing it or anything. Well, we did, I don't think we wore it when we played Melbourne Victory and beat them and mostly we are pretty shit away from home. So, um, Sorry, I just I just remember Craig Goodman and Ryan Kira coming up and hugging me in the away <laughs> bay at Amy Park. Definitely wearing the yellow kit. Oh, we, we did it the first time. When we beat Victory the first time away, we were first, The red. first time away, yes, you're right. We were definitely in red. The second we time we were in yellow and we won. Mm-hmm. All right, whatever. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Kids, so. um, <laughs> now, there's some stain redevelopments happening, which everyone's very well aware of. Ooh. Obviously, there's no Eastern stand in contention at Cooper Stadium this season. So bearing that in mind and how it all works with the memberships, whatever the plan is and the allocation that everyone gets. Uh, what are both of you? We'll start with you. Where, where will you be seated? Um, in my usual spot. It's not being affected as much as we'd like a roof above my head in the northern end. But I like the... I think the dynamics could work with that stand going out the way and making everyone a bit closer. It might get everyone a bit more involved. And then when they're back in the normal seats next year, they know the chance, they know when to... They're a bit more familiar with the whole active side. Um, long term wise, I asked that question in the forum. 
thankfully, I think we agree on this, the new arena they want us to go into is out of the question. Home, she's our home, which we all love. The stadium life, what they call, has been increased by about a decade, they reckon. And for me, just keep building, like, keep improving, keep building, because other clubs, Brisbane, would die for a high march. And they're playing in Redcliffe, mm-hmm. or that monstrosity of a stadium in Brisbane. Yeah. Brisbane. So, you know, the grass is not always green on the other side. And now it's pretty bloody green. So stick to it, keep working on it. We're about to host the World Cup here. You know, life's good. Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, just to uh, sort of weigh in on that, I agree with the second comments that you've made there. In terms of the first part regarding how it's going to be this year, yes, that could pay off, but I think the TV product's going to be important, particularly on a new broadcaster, mm. and I'm not sure how they're going to work that out because the last thing I want to see is a threadbare Cooper Stadium every time we play at home this season. What are your thoughts? Well, in the past, just to address what you just said, when we had FFA Cup games and closed that stadium... But it's a construction site now. I know it's a construction site. They have changed the camera angle. I don't know if they can get some sort of exemption. If they can put some sort of tarp over the bottom, uh, I don't know if that's something we can do. It is what it is. Heinmarsh Stadium, I'm pro Heinmarsh Stadium redevelopment. Okay? I've been saying this for years. No, no, no. None of us are disagreeing. I know, I know that. I know that. But what I'm trying to say is if we have to put up with an empty stand on broadcast for a year, then who cares? Okay. Because we are getting Heinmarsh Stadium, $50 million improvement. Yeah. Right? I'm happy it to look at the long term. It, I just think it would be a bit annoying. Oh, look. You know, we'll be there watching anyway, so yeah. it's not going to alter us. But you know, I, I actually, you know, I take that back. I, I, I regret saying that because that is a very sort of simple-minded um, individual thing to say. Um, but look, if that's the price we have to pay to get Highmarsh Stadium redeveloped, then so be it. Because well, we're going to get Highmarsh Stadium turned into a world-class venue. It's not just a roof getting put on. It's new facilities like you know, food stands, shops. Um, and it's very important the FIFA standards, not like the Australian standards or the local standards. FIFA approved approved to host a Women's World Cup game. We've got they were saying we're going to have um, new TV screens, yeah, new TV screens, all the bars. They're going to have yeah, a centre. Real to, want that. Yeah, it's going it's going to be well worth it in the long term. Uh, no one's happy than I am long term because I was one of the biggest advocates for not leaving Cooper Stadium, only because. Every away fan I ever speak to says that we're the best trip they do. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, why the hell would you want to sell out and move to a, a solar city stadium? Agreed. Um, anyway, let's move on. Oh, where are you going to sit? Um, see, I'm still decided. Probably in my usual spot in Red Army. But I last season, I, I did experience what life was like in the general admission side of things. And I actually quite enjoyed it. So who knows? All right, then. Let's move forward. Uh, so... Most impressive signing? Isaias. Isaias. Can you answer that without saying Isaias? George Blackwood. I don't think I can. <laughs> all right. Isaias it is. I think we can all, all three of us can uh, safely back each other in there. Uh, most impressive young player, who will it be this season? <laughs> Starting with you. Oh, man, Bernardo has to be. Yeah. He, if, if he gets the minutes, that is. Um, yeah, got to be Bernardo. Bernardo, but I hope Johnny Yale gets some proper minutes. But I don't know where because our midfield, our midfield so stacked, but, you know, he's got some game in him. All right, I like it. Season predictions, starting with you. Oof. 
It's a tough one. I reckon last season I predicted us to finish around fifth, sorry, uh, sixth or seventh, and they ended up telling me where to go. So, no, nah, I think there's nothing wrong with a bit I'm of I'm sure we, we did finish around then. Uh, we finished fourth? No. No, we Third? finished fifth? We no. finished sixth. Sixth? Sure. No. Yeah, we didn't get a home final. No, we didn't get a home final, but we played. We oh. could have finished third and should have finished third, and we finished sixth. Maybe my, my head's been in a different, <laughs> a different sport recently. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I think so. I, I will give my prediction. I think we'll be top six again. I don't know where. Probably maybe fifth or sixth again. Maybe even, hopefully, hopefully fourth. Okay. I think we've got the squad. We've got the midfield and the attack. Yeah. Well, like you said, because we could have finished third. And for me, what really cost us last year was losing control of the game in the midfield because it was largely inexperienced. And with Stefan Walk off and having to leave his number 10 to go back and this do a lot of against Western Sydney in the last. Western Sydney, Perth twice, yeah, yeah. where there was a few examples. So having that anchor in the midfield of Pavel, of Isaias, of Juan that I reckon is going to help us, it's at least worth three, four points, which would get us a home final. So that's why I reckon we finish. I don't know, position, but home final? Win your home final and then you're into a two leg semi final, we do yeah. these days. And another final at Hindhurst, you never know what's going to happen there. So bring it on. Top scorer? Cassini. Craig. All right. Now, the Aurelia Vidmar Award at the end of the season. Who takes it out? Well, Ben Halloran winning was a big shock. Not actually, not, no, not, it was unexpected. I think it was deserved. I, I love Ben Halloran. I think his work rate is fantastic. But um, <laughs> I'd laugh if you say he has won it. You know? He, he won it like three years in a row, so I think it'd be very funny if he came back and then won it straight away, but I don't think it'd be SAS. Um, hmm, maybe, 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 maybe Stefan. I think if Stefan, if Stefan's leg is complete, you know, if Stefan had not had that kick against Newcastle in the leg where it was right on the bone that he cracked, he would have won, won mm-hmm. the, the medal, I believe. So yeah, I think if Stefan can stay fit, he'll win it. I'm going to state the obvious, but SAS. And if he stays fit, keep an eye out for Javi Lopez because he's just a quiet achiever. He always gets yes. his work done, always productive, always. Keep an eye out because if he can stay fit, he's honestly one of our most valuable players. All right, lads, so good to get you both in. A lot has uh, been covered. Now, you're making the trip for round one to Perth, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And Hope, I that hopefully, so much place. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, place, hopefully. It doesn't, who knows? Um, it's gonna be, it sounds like it's heading to a sellout. The guy, it's gonna be like a big party for them because due to the borders, not gonna get a home game for a while after that. But you know, go and try to spoil the party like Sydney's done very recently to them, a much bigger party, and see how we come out. It should be a good day. Oh man, you know, I wanna go. <laughs> Definitely gonna look into it tonight. I was sussing out the flights at work yesterday. It was a little naughty of me. It wasn't on my lunch break, but no, nah, I'm uh, I'm gonna look into it because to be honest with you, mate, you know me. I love a good away day. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna look into it. Come on, you Reds. Very very exciting times, boys. Thank you so much to both of you for coming in, and we'll see you at Cooper Stadium. All the best. See you there.